Welcome to episode 527 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 527 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Isles. How you going, mate? I am pretty good. And you, Bevan? I am fan-flipping-tastic because Great. it's 6 in the morning. It's dark outside. 6.09 to be precise. So 09 to be precise. And it's winter, John. It is indeed. It's a bit fresh. You're loving it, aren't you? It's great. Fresh as a daisy. Hmm. Just that's your today's weather report. That's the weather report. Okay, you guys, uh, I Talk is proudly brought to you by Athlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. Extreme endurance. Your lactic buffer. And our patrons. And some of those patrons include Parker Barney Day. That's a good name, isn't it? We've got Eric Icy Burney. Robert Cuddles Evans. Nicholas Peacock and his hitch. Pocock. Oh, sorry, Pocock. And Joel Bow, uh, Joel Bow Sensei. Ah, oh, yes, Sensei. Ah, <laughs> oh. in New Zealand we've got this TV commercial called um, Thirty Seconds Wipe and Wipe On and Walk Away. Oh, yeah. It's quite racist. Yeah, <laughs> but it is pretty funny. There's an Asian guy. He goes, Ah, oh, Thirty Seconds Wipe On and Walk Away. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. And Joe bought some on the weekend. Yes, and high quality product for our shower for shower yes. cleaner. Yeah, and uh, advertising works then. Well, especially because I said it a thousand times when I was having a shower, so yeah. it obviously did work. Okay, guys, uh, this week's show we've got some news. We've got a website of the week. We've got a, a movie review. I know. John news, and I went on a hot segment. date on Friday night. First yeah. ever I am talk date. Yep, yep. And uh, and then we had an interview. Yes, we did. So we got an interview with Tim Pickett, who was one of our support crew on Epic Camp France. Oh, there you go. And uh, then we've got my first try. Uh, and some questions and answers at the end. Okay, John, well, there's a few races happening last weekend. Alpe de West Triathlon was the first one you've got on the list. What happened there, John? But my results didn't come up. Yeah, so that was actually on Thursday, which is a bit of an odd day, the old Frenchies, how they do things, but that's Why what they, they do. on a Thursday? Well, they have a series of races, so they had uh, they have a duathlon on one day, they have the long-distance triathlon on another day, and then they have a, um, uh Olympic-distance triathlon on another day. Interestingly, in the Olympic distance triathlon, Andrea Hewitt did it and spanked it out of the park. There wasn't really anybody else there. That was interesting given that the Olympics yeah, that is... Like uh, a pretty crazy race to be doing that close. 17 days, but it's Olympic distance, so it's not too crazy. Um, but would it be a hard race? Uh, the Alpe d'Huez? Yeah, you basically got to ride up Alpe d'Huez, so that's not easy. <laughs> uh, but it might be your last big hit out. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, but just, I don't know, it seemed a little bit odd to be doing it, but anyway... Hey. She comes home in the middle. Who gets hey, tossed? It's, wise, it's like interesting because they're in rugby right now. Uh, for those who know nothing about rugby, uh, the Super Rugby Series, which is the best mm. domestic rugby league in the world, or Pommies. Cup. <laughs> Pommies don't even go there. But uh, Wellington are in the final, and they're playing a thing called the Kings from South Africa. No, they're not. They're playing against the Lions. The Lions, the Lions from yeah. South Africa. Okay, so the Lions of South Africa were winning the league pretty much all year, and in the last game, they had to play the bottom team of the whole 
the whole division, the whole competition. And what they did is they decided they're going to rest their players because they could save them for the finals. And they lost the last game, which meant they dropped about fifth on the table, mm. um, which meant they lost a home final advantage. Now, some people were saying it's a genius move because it rested their players before the finals. And other people were saying, well, it's not a genius move because they lost that home ground advantage, which in the Super Rugby competition is quite massive because you've got to go all the way from South Africa to New Zealand, which is quite a big... Big travel. Yeah, yeah, big travel the week before the, ra- um, the final. And it's one of those things where it's a good argument right now it just depends if they win. If they win, mm. it was a great decision. Mm. If they lo- lose, foolish. They're going to lose. Foolish. Mm. So, uh, yeah, anyway, back to up to Back to up to But the other interesting thing, sort of as a bit of a segue as well, is, you know, we've got the Olympics starting this week, and there's a number of people on that start list that have just, has just come out, um, especially some a couple of the French guys like Lin- Vincent Louis, who you haven't seen. So, you know, people taking different approaches this year. It's going to be really interesting to see. Haven't uh, seen? What do you mean? I don't recall him really showing up in the results, so he might be injured. I mean, he may not be. He may be taking a totally different approach to the Olympics this year. Another one, you know, one of the raging hot um, girls you would expect to be on the podium. One of the raging podium. hot girls, guys. Stop being yes. a sexist pig. Uh, non, non Stanford. She has uh, had yeah, a terrible she season. She's been dominant for a while, wasn't she? Yeah, she's just had a shocking season, Whether again, whether it's been injuries or not. So she sort of came onto the scene, crushed it. Then maybe the year before last had an injury plague season. Then the last season came back really strong. This season has been uh, woeful, but if she's on form. You know, you expect her to get second place. So yeah, the Olympics going to be interesting. Back to up to Ezo though, because that is the race we're going to discuss. Uh, we had Kiwi Mike Phillips actually leading the race for quite some time, um, and he was I think leading going onto Alp Duez, and then it became a matter of survival for him. Um, didn't quite have either enough nutrition on board or what whatever, but he. Uh, Wait, he this is for the for the long distance race. Yes. Okay. Yeah. He ended up. Uh, battling away to get up uh, and only ended up finishing eighth place. James Carnema took out the race by about two minutes, uh, so five hours 58.02 and from Timothy Van Holten from Belgium and Sven Van Luckman <laughs> in 6.05. What's really cool with the, the results here, they have they have the, y- your bike time for actually going up Alpe d'Huez, so they have your swim, oh, your nice. bike, your run. And then specific to the... Climb. Because is if you ever do that climb, there's a you can actually go and get a transponder from the tourism office that basically takes your time. There's a must be a, a hidden um, cable in the ground, and then there's a fairly well clearly defined designated finish spot as well. So James Carnemer got up there in 51 minutes, and Tim Van Holten was 53, and uh, third guy was 51. Which I'm assuming that's finishing the same place that that, that, that we did, and when I went, we went up there. I didn't have a great climb, um, but you I... You probably weren't racing as such, but still. Oh, no, we were riding hard, okay. but I didn't have my power numbers and stuff really were indicating that I didn't have a great climb. But I was 58 minutes, so those guys are going up there seven minutes quicker than me. What would the tour guys go? Do you know? I, the record something in the 30s it's like oh my God. 35 or something like that I think but that was I think Pantani I think Pantani still has the record he was on drugs wasn't he oh absolutely absolutely yeah, yeah. yeah. So he was the player, well, he wasn't di- he? He, yeah he died from an overdose so it oh, um, kind of points the finger at you yeah let me just see for the for the girls things I know Lucy Gossage was second but we had uh, Gian, Janine Colong took it out in 6.33 from Lucy Gossage 6.37 and Paris Edwards in third so I think Lucy will probably be a bit disappointed with that. She didn't have a, a, the greatest run with a 132. Um, Where did they run up? Is it obviously run from the top? No, you basically do uh, loops. I think they do two loops or maybe three loops of 
7k it's either two loops of 10 or, or so they go up the mountain no yeah. you basically it's it's not you're running across the mountain okay so it's it's up and down but it's not like a big hill yeah. climb but there's certainly up and down in yeah. it we did a, a lap when we we're up there on epic camps so yeah up to is uh, feedback i got from athletes over there we had a few christchurch athletes few epic campers doing it and i had an athlete i coach as well in, in, um, mm-hmm. yeah. yep so they said extremely hard race um very much on par with an ironman so the times there for the pros about an hour and a half to two hours shorter than probably two hours shorter than an ironman but the guys said it was just insanely hard and uh not not to be taken lightly yeah much more ironman based race as opposed to you know it's, it's only just a bit more than half ironman distance so it's a great race great race should get it on your hit list cold swim very tough bike ride and uh, and and tough run as well. So it's a, a race that would definitely be a bucket list race, eh? You know, yeah. for those people who can get to it. Mm. And obviously, it's got that kind of that kind of feeling that you're doing a Tour de France course and all those types of things. And it's just a good, honest race. Okay, the other big race. Well, we had two other big races this weekend, and uh, be honest, it's pretty interesting. Vyman. Uh, one thing you've got here in the notes here, John. While Vyman is the oldest iron distance race and event in the continental US, dating dating back to 1990. So that was obviously the first one to happen outside of Kona. Mm. Um, it was never an IM race. This year was the first year it raced as an Ironman branded race. In total, the event saw nearly 2,000 athletes representing 28 countries from 48 states start the race. So that's, that's pretty interesting, isn't it? Because traditionally, the race... In several hundred. Yeah. yeah so it, it basically inflated it by about three, four hundred percent. Yeah. So I've got to say, great. You know, that, I'd, I'd forgotten that it was the first ever iron distance race on continental America. So, you know, in some ways you've got to say, fantastic work, WTC, for making sure this race carries on, the history carries on, and, and it's a great boost for the local economy. So I think there's you know, lots of positives, but... At the same time, I do like to see independent races as well. Kyle Buckingham took it out. It's a hard argument now, but isn't it? Mm. You know, mm. like it's a really hard argument when you say, well, they were getting maybe, I think maybe four or 500 at max. Now they're getting 2,000. Yeah. It's kind of like a no-brainer. Yeah. Kyle Buckingham took it out. So if you remember that name a few years ago, he was yeah. the fastest age grouper. age grouper in Kona. Was that uh, the guy who did the, the Jug Street as well? Was that the member? No, no. That's, uh, that guy's Sam, still racing. Sam Guide. Sam Guide, yeah. yeah. So he took it out. 52-minute swim, 4.30 on the bike and a three-hour run uh, for an 8 to 27. Chris McDonald, a steady eddy day. He wrote, swam 55, biked 4.32, ran 3.02 for an 8.34. And Jonathan Sharon was in third place in 8.30. Um, on the girls side of things Sarah Pampliono uh, took it out and my goodness she is the real deal on the it's a massive time yeah on the on the bike and the run but that's a terrible swim wait so, a second so wait she did a 9.19.05 so what she swim she swam 108.58 wow uh, now the swim times there across the board looked looked pretty slow guys were swimming sort of 52 to 55 so give her that benefit of the doubt 108 for a female pro is slow but hats off to a 457 on the bike and a 307 run on a day where you know the top guys are only running three three hours to 305 so very impressive but complete dojo domination at uh, 919 and second place nearly 40 minutes 35 (coughs) minutes um ashley polson 1003 and then caroline leah in third and 1014 and we get it's yeah, this we get at this time of the season when all the Kona athletes are getting ready for Kona, and um, and she will have clipped the ticket, I'm sure, by doing that if she hadn't already got enough points anyway, because she did. She was in the top ten in Kona last year, so yeah, interesting racing this close to race day. 
Okay, we also had um, Iron Man Netherlands, and I actually had an email from uh, somebody I know, Paula Green, she was just sending through an email saying it's, it, was a, it was a pretty hard race, mm. very, very slow bike ride, um, cobbles, hard gravel, quite rolling, um, pretty tough conditions, that's, you know, like it's, it's a good, honest ride. Yeah, and the and the the guys' times indicate that as well. So, Igor Amirlio from Brazil took it out in eight twenty eight. These days, that's not you know not particularly fast. He swam forty six, bike four forty, and ran two fifty seven. Mark Oldbonek from the Netherlands in second um, in eight thirty three, and Bastideren somewhat surprisingly down a third in eight thirty five. So yeah. Not the not the fastest not the fastest times, but pretty good racing there. You know, it's only uh, seven minutes covering the first first three athletes. Uh, on the girls' side, we had another female dojo domination by Mary Beth Ellis. She's, oh, great! She uh, absolutely crushed it um, by what's that? 20, 26 odd minutes. So she swam forty eight, rode five fourteen, and ran three seventeen. And then second was Silita Castro. Norquera from Spain in 9.51 and then Tinky Vandenberg from Netherlands in 10.03. Well, one thing Paula Green was saying was, is, is Maastricht was the place yep. where it was ran? Um, she was just saying the people of Maastricht, was, it was almost comparable to the London Marathon, which is saying wow. a lot really, isn't it? Live bands, drums, and because it went through a residential area, people were throwing parties outside their houses and cheering. It was so encouraging right until the end when people like me were running in the dark. So pretty impressive place you know mm. like if you, you know paul has done a lot of racing and to you know london marathon that's gonna mm. be an amazing experience so to kind of put it on par with that it sounds like they've really knocked it out of the park those european european races they do know how to that's the thing isn't it, it? It's, a, an, it's an event for the local region isn't it mm. you know like it's a big party day mm. i've never done that i'd love to go to a race where you just you know you're outdoors partying with your friends all day while people are out there racing and stuff having a good day Lead it next year in roth well, I'll be working, John. Oh. One of us is going to be racing. <laughs> one of us is going to be clipping the ticket, getting there, trying to get another sub nine in. Yeah. One of us will be doing the hard yards. Laugh it in the face. You know, doing the hard yards. You yeah. know, you think oh, Ironman's hard. Working on Ironman Day team, that's, that's way harder than Ironman. Tell me about it. Okay, other news. KPR is changing, John, and it doesn't seem like it's a, it's a, it's a change, a weird change in some ways, if you ask me, because it's not significant. No, and but they haven't been haven't been jumping up and down saying it is significant no. so it's a tweak to the system so yeah Torsten's got a little article on this on tryrating.com and it's basically saying that the scoring structure that athletes have will be adjusted uh, and they can now use four races as opposed to five so you can have two Ironman races counting in there and up to, uh, up to two and up to three um, no no you can have two and three you can have two and two but you can have one and three as well. Oh, can you? So okay. you've still got to do an Ironman race to obviously um, qualify for Kona, but they've reduced the number a little bit. So, yeah, it, it, obviously that'll impact the total number of points you've had, uh, as Torsten sort of pointed out, but doesn't really think it's going to have a massive impact. So I think, I don't, I'm not sure why they'd be doing it, but I think, you know, for me, the whole the slight issue with the KPR is that it's still not fair for the females. Not in terms of number of slots on the race uh, to, 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 um, to actually be in Kona but they often have to do more races to actually get there and that doesn't seem fair to me. So well, it's interesting here on Torsten's article which I'll put on our website www.intalk.me he did a retrospective based on this year mm. and for the men it only made one difference so Trevor Wordle wouldn't have made it and a guy called 
Bertrand Ballard would have qualified mm-hmm. um, if he only could use four races. So in female cutoff dropped down a little bit and he didn't really necessarily have um, I can't remember if he had the female but you know so it's interesting it, it didn't really make that much of a difference no but I wonder if people change the way they play the game because they knew new rules if that would make much of a difference mm. yeah you hope I guess the hope is you don't get these athletes just going to Ironman after Ironman after Ironman after Ironman so I think maybe reducing it to two is um, two that count might stop that a little bit because I think yeah the, at the end of the day you know people are entitled to go and do as many Ironmans as they like and just try to get their best scoring race but it's probably not that healthy to be doing you know five but, but, six Ironmans in a season but then it depends on the athlete doesn't it because it's, it's all good to say if I'm a 70 you know someone like a Terenzo Bazzoni who can kill a 70.3 hasn't mm. you know a good Ironman hasn't really kind of stepped up to the level we hoped he could and fingers crossed he does but at the same time it's it's easier for him to get to Kona, but if you're a guy who's not that great at 70.3, mm. you're going to have to do those Ironmen, aren't you? Exactly. You know, so it's kind of... Uh, Torsten, you're probably listening. I'm, I'm intrigued to know if they did a weighted system, whether it would be better than this. What um, weighted? So it's weighted based on the strength of the field. So, you know, you go to a race and... How would you do that? I don't know. They do it in other... I'm sure they do it in other sports, but if there is if there is a way to do it. So, you know, like at the, this weekend, you know, so you had um, uh, Mary Beth Ellis crushing, crushing it, so she should be rewarded for getting good points. But if second place is 30 f- minutes behind or whatever, um, and they're going to get good points for second as opposed to at another race, the girl might finish two minutes behind and get the same points so yeah. it's, it's I don't know but then the problem with that is I don't know who's turning up at races mm. so is it done after the fact don't know because then how would you choose your races because mm. you, you know if you look at an Ironman field well some weeks we get people who are doing three races mm-hmm. and so if I'm going to go oh, I need to go to a race where it's got quality field because exactly. at least if I get second mm. then I turn up no one's there and then I don't get, you know so it's a don't know that'd be a convoluted system on the um, KPR side of things, it, it seems that uh, WTC have updated the list. And on the female side, there's a few interesting things going on in terms of people that don't appear to have taken their slot. Yeah. And Lizzie Blackford. Yeah. So on the list, Rachel Joyce. If, if you don't know, she is pregnant. It's not her dog that's pregnant. Well, that's uh, good. It, it is. It <laughs> that's is her. Good to know. Maybe the dog is as well. Yes. Maybe that's how they roll. So she's not racing. Liz Blackford doesn't have a cue next to her name. Uh, she's Come she's Stephen. Caroline Stephen was not going to be racing. She's doing 70.3. That's her focus. So I know that for a, for a fact. It's interesting, isn't it? Do, mm. do you know why she's made that choice? I think she just wants to do 70.3 and, and race a bit more and not do the long stuff. And, and she's from, she, you know, she spends, well, she lives on the Gold Coast or spends a lot of her year there. So hometown race. And I think she just wants to rediscover, you know, racing and... Um, when's, and when's 70.3? So, September. Still fascinating. Come on, Caroline Stephen is. Yeah, but when you've been doing Ironman for years and years and years, as she has, you maybe fall out of love a little bit, and then you actually go and go. I'm going to do some short course racing and race more regularly, and not have to go and do those gigantic sessions and focus on speed. So I think it's a great decision in terms of thinking maybe long term. If I want to win Kona, I'm going to have to be a little bit quicker, and to do that, I'm going to go and do some short course stuff and try to get faster, and then go back to the long and uh, hopefully make that little, you know, few percent improvements. So I think it's a good move. So Liz Blatchford not on the uh, doesn't look appear to have taken a slot or. or Hasn't validated. Annabelle Luxford, um, actually, Liz Blatchford looks like she might not have done an Ironman somewhere. Let me just click on her name. 
no, she hasn't. She hasn't validated. So that's Liz Blatchford hasn't validated yet. So whether she's been injured or whatever. Annabelle Luxford has got enough points, but hasn't taken the slot. Caroline Stephan, as we just discussed, uh, and those are the main ones on the list there. Mary Beth Ellis um, didn't have enough points. She's currently ranked 33rd, but that after the weekend, or that's lifted her to 33rd after the weekend. So she should be okay. And. Um, yeah, so a couple of interesting names on the girls' side of things. As, as far as the guys, um, there was, wasn't too many guys there that uh, didn't take their slots uh, that, that would have an impact on the race. Um, Andreas Raylert has not yet qualified, so he's still in red because he hasn't uh, validated. He's got enough points. But outside of that, the only guys that haven't really taken their slots were Matt Trotmans from from South Africa, Bernard Billet from France, and Kyle Buckingham, who raced at the weekend, has not yet. Maybe he's moved into that position actually after the weekend. So the guys that miss out uh, on the first round are Jens Peterson Bach and Cullum Millwood. Chris McDonald's up there in 52nd place. Harry Wiltshire's in 53rd. Um, so yeah, uh, we'll wait now. With beta breath until the next round. I was looking at Liz Blatchford's uh, Twitter account, mm-hmm. and uh, she won't be racing the Kona this year. Um, I think it might be an injury thing. It's not that clear, but there's a post that says, uh, "Why this isn't what I hoped." And then she's got a photo of travel. I'm not quite sure what that's about, but she's saying just I won't be racing Kona this year. So, mm. and then there is some mention of injuries higher up. So unfortunate, really. Mm. Yeah, because she's a bit of a rock star, Liz. Okay. Um, okay. We've got some drug scandal coming your way. Drug scandal, another athlete. And apparently they didn't know that was happening, John. Yeah. So, Lisa, there's an interesting article on triathlon.competitor.com. So, Lisa Morangan, who is a, a good Aussie athlete, she podiums at you know, challenge races and some, some Ironmans and what have you. She's pr- come out preemptively, uh, and there's going to be an announcement from ASADA, which is the Australian Sports Anti-Doping she Authority. Four years. Sorry? Apparently to receive a four-year doping ban. That's mm. what the article says. So she's, yeah, she's going to... Four? Normally it's only two. Uh, don't ask me questions. I don't know the answer But, but it's, it's interesting, isn't it? You know, mm. like a lot of drug treats get less than two years. Mm-hmm. It seems like, like, don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm into these drug treats getting big bans, but it's mm. interesting that she's getting a four. What was probably interesting for me is she was offered sort of a plea bargain. Uh, she, she refused a plea bargain um, as she adamantly proclaims her innocence as read in her official statement sent to triathlete on Friday. So I think she could have had it dropped down to, uh, I think it was a one-year ban, I think it was in there, if she basically said, this is where I got it from, um, et cetera, et cetera. But she is proclaiming her innocence and uh, claims that her one of her um, nutrition was tampered with at a race. Yeah, so she's got this heavy heart that I wish to announce that in January of this year I tested positive for a banned substance called Ostarine, maybe? Yeah. Uh, as will be evident over the coming period of time, I maintain I did not knowingly take the substance, and I am the victim of tampering and and or sabotage at the hands of a person who wished to cause me harm. I'll continue to protest my innocence, regardless of the findings and sanctions which are in the process of being handed down against me. Whilst I am devastated that this will be likely bring about the end of my professional triathlon career, I would like to state clearly that I have been completely honest and fully cooperative with AS. ADA during the investigative process and hold no ill will towards their agency, the race 
or the sport. As stated above, I will continue to try to clear my name and hopefully will also serve as an example to others to be more careful in the future. So, so she basically says that... It's a statement, isn't it? Yeah, she says her water bottle um, was um, malicious, uh, something tampered with during a 30-minute window while her race nutrition was left unattended prior to a half-iron distance race start. If that's true, that is... Well, that's disgusting. That, that documentary I, I've talked about a lot on this show, the one about the, the Olympic sprints, mm. and that's the conclusion they got. That, that the, the conclusion of this documentary says that the American team basically hocked old old Ben Johnson's, and, and it's kind of at the end of the documentary. It's an ESPN. Like, it's yeah. a pretty good documentary. Um, Stakes are pretty high at that. This is like low-level yeah. Ironman racing. But, but, but like, A, what kind of dork would do something like that? Mm-hmm. It's a hard one, isn't it? Right, it's Olympic level sprinting, I could go, mate. That's good. if that happens. I, I highly recommend it. Million, millions to see of dollars. That documentary. It's, it's the time. I think it's called Nine Point Nine Six or whatever that Ben Johnson did. Mm. One of the greatest sports documentaries you watch. But mm. um, gee, I hope, I hope that's not true. That someone would tamper with someone's bottle. That just it seems far fetched, but. It's a hard one, isn't it? Because you kind of go, well, come on, she's pulling up something out of her ass here just to kind yeah. of get away with it, or it really happened, and then. Mm. Oh, imagine how you would feel. Mm. Imagine the anger and frustration that mm. you'd go through if that was the case. Mm. So, but you don't even know it. it you know, you don't. No. No. So interesting story there. So, well, so she looks like she's going to use four years, which is basically the end of her career because she mm. is late th- mid thirties or thirty six years old. So, um, yeah, interesting. It is interesting. That's interesting, John. John, but mm. there's a new race coming up. Yes. It's now the Sovereign Sea to Sovereign. Sky Challenge. Oh, nice. So the race that I organised last year that you will have heard about, Sea to Sky Challenge in Christchurch, is now part of the New Zealand National Triathlon Series, six or seven races, and it's going to be bigger than Texas. It was last year. It was awesome. But if anybody in New Zealand or even Australia wants to come and do a really cool end-of-season race, it's going to be on April the 2nd, and it's after Wanaka for you guys that are doing challenge. It's after Ironman. Really cool course. Finish off your season on a high. Finish off your season on a high. Come to Christchurch. Beautiful race. Great race. Very challenging bike course. You basically climb up a hill for about, you know, it's about a 500 meter elevation change and then an amazing run along a coastal track and over a really grunty hill. 18 18Ks. Can't remember what it took the guys last year, but I think it was about 40 odd minutes for the the, the parts of it. Oh, yeah. It's, It's solid. It's basically a couple of. Two, two to three k's of flat, and then a really, really juicy climb for quite a quite a long period, and then uh, sort of rolls out to the end of the bike course, and yeah, seven and a half k run. I'm pretty sure it'll sell out. I'm going to be limited to 300 entries in the main race, um, so if you want to get on it, come down and see it. We we'll see if we can roll Bevan out in his wheelchair to do it as well. Yeah, oh, well, Jeepers Creepers, we're definitely rolling me out. Uh-huh. Um, Asia Pacific Triathlon Championship set for Challenge Melbourne in 2017 in April. So what's happened is Challenge is internationally renowned triathlon brand Challenge Family and Melbourne-based company Sports Media and Entertainment 360 have announced that the Triathlon Half Distance Championship of Asia Pacific, which will take place in Melbourne's Bayside suburbs on Sunday, the 9th of April 2017. This is pretty interesting. It's, uh, it's, it's a week after the Sea to Sky Challenge. You could use that as, oh, your, as your lead into the race. Taupo, that and that. <laughs> <laughs> so you get a bit of everything. It's um, it's not a huge amount of money. It's, it's, it's only thirty k, I think, for the yeah prize purse. It's still reasonable for for seventy point three for the pros. Um, yeah, for a championship. 
yeah, so I guess you know, Challenge are trying to build up that championship um, theme. They're going to have their sort of world championship race. It was in the in the Czech Republic, I think it is, um, which looks like a pretty cool venue. Um, so look, I think this is going to be a bit like the um, Asia Pacific Championship for for triathlon and for for WTC. Um, yeah, I think it'll enhance the event a little bit, but it's not going to be something that people are going to be jumping out of their skin to go and do it. But it's going to add a little, little feather to the bow, I think. So good to, good to see, you know, for the pros, probably more money than they would have had otherwise. Perfect, and perfect time of the year too, isn't it? Mm. You know, you kind of end of the season race, you kind of finish off your season on a bit of a high. Mm. So check it out. We're going to see what kind of numbers they get. Mm. You know, it's, um, you know, I mean, Melbourne didn't work. This uh, is a half, remember, it's not a full. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, mm. but it'll be interesting to see... You know how this goes along. So, because if anything, it seems like there's a bit of saturation in Australian long course triathlon. But maybe 70.3s aren't so much of a problem. I think 70.3s still doing alright. Yeah, uh, we've got a Boulder coming up this weekend, but there's no pro race. No pro race in Boulder. So good luck to all you guys that are out there. That's the point, really, because Boulder is such a hub of triathletes. Well, it is, but as, as we've seen from the fields at the moment, you're not going to get a great field. So unless you put the the, the timing of the race at a different stages of the season, it's going to be sort of a, a second, third rate field. So understandable. Other races, John? Other races. What's interesting for me, so on k226.com uh, in the next sort of little period, is three iron distance races in Norway within the space of a week. So wow. we've got Norseman coming up this weekend, and then the day after Norseman they have another one called the, the Coastman, um, which is not quite as extreme as Norseman. And then the week after that you have the uh, Fjord Extreme, which does look a lot more sort of Norseman-like. So... Interesting to see how sustainable that is. I mean, Norseman doesn't get a great big field. It sells out every year, but it's only, I think it's maybe 300, 250, 300 people. Um, So it'll be interesting to see if loads of people make that journey over there. I I spoke to a guy at the weekend, um, Paul Watt, who went over and did the Challenge Iceland race. Uh, Said they didn't have huge numbers there. It was only like 150 or something like that doing it. Oh, really? But said it was was pretty stunning. If you want to go to a, a... a venue which is out in the middle of the nowhere. It's you against the elements. Um, pretty fresh swim. It's a stunning bike course uh, and be a cool place to go and do. Check that out. So other races we've got coming up this weekend, the Slovak, two, two, Slovak Man 226, um, the Thor Beach Triathlon in Denmark and the Anglian in the UK. And then we've got the Coastman race in Norway and the Immortal in the UK. The Immortal. And finally the Ostelman in Germany. Okay, Jumbo. Uh, sponsor. Extreme Endurance. Galactic buffer, John. And appropriate with the Olympics coming up. And the topic we were just t- t- touching on before with regards to things being tampered with. And obviously we do have to be a little bit concerned about the substances we do take into our body, especially now that they do age group testing for, for Kona, Kona athletes. And a few people have been pinged on that. That's the problem. I remember when I did road. And when I, the, you know, the one race I raced as a pro, um, and they t- they did do testing on all the pros that year, which mm. they never did again because I think it cost them so much. But <coughs> and I remember trying to figure out, and like I, I I wasn't using many supplements, but I think I what was it creatine? No, I mean, no, not right. creatine. No, um, what's the one we took? There was the anti cramp stuff. Quinine, um, quinine sulfate. Yeah. yeah, and I just wanted to find out if that was banned or not. I wasn't really sure because mm. you know it's something you get prescribed from a doctor. So I was like, oh, maybe it's a funny thing I shouldn't be using. So. Um, and for the life of me, you couldn't figure it out. Yeah. You if know, like it was impossible. If you're a, a, a top pro athlete, like say you're a top New Zealand triathlete, then you're going to get a lot of help from the national body in terms of... Wait, um, Ironman, would they? 
Not Ironman, no, no. But if, you, if you're an ITU, Olympic, yeah. Olympic sort of athlete, you would. Um, and but yeah, for for third tier pros and or, or probably I'd say for you, second tier pro that you were. Um, I'll take second. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I thought it was more of a fourth tier, but I'll take second. Yeah, it's a bloody minefield, and you don't know if you've been eating tainted beef uh, yeah. like old Contador did. So yeah. poor Contador. Yeah, poor so, tainted beef. Yeah, but one thing you know with with uh, extreme endurance is they basically have their products tested through a uh, certified. Um, company called Informs Choice and Informs Sport and they basically go through testing the products to ensure that they are not tainted and that they meet all the standards so you can take extreme endurance knowing that you will not get pinged for any drug infractions so check it out xendurance.com kiwis and aussies you can get uh, your product through me go to coachjohnnewsome.com or if you're going through the .com or dot uh, eu website or .co.uk use the promo code IAMTALK10 and you get yourself a nice little discount and uh, guys we do get lots of great feedback from people who use the product and really really recommend it so check it out ok guys this week's discussion so this week's discussion last weekend John John and I were talking about what, what how do you celebrate when you're a triathlete mm-hmm. and basically John when he was 40th he basically did the 100 100 swims uh, and he did it on a crazy day basically 12 hours training pretty much <laughs> that's all just a 12 hour day it's how mm-hmm. he rolls team it's how he rolls and I've got my stags too coming up I don't really care to go to strippers and get drunk because that's just not how I roll so mm-hmm. um, we've kind of wondering what are the, some triathlon slash sports related ways that you could celebrate an important event in your life and uh, I'll start off James Wilson's got saw some guys doing the wobbly mobbly for a stags it's a bike ride through the village of Mobley in Manchester UK stopping at every pub along the way nice loop plenty of pubs fancy dress gonna get wobbly nice one that's quite it mm-hmm <clears throat> oh, you do another one, Bevan. Matthew Bins, as running is my weakness in the triathlon league, I just tried to find something to keep me focused after the end of the triathlon season. Each year around my birthday in May, I have a goal that I've set for myself 16 years ago. Every year since I turned 38, so if we put that together, Johnny is 54. Uh, right, 54. Cool. Yeah, yep. I've tried to run a half marathon in a time that totals one hour and something minutes or better the minutes is the age that yeah oh nice so when i was 38 i ran 138 so i achieved my goal by one minute at 39 i was recovering from injury so i could only manage a 144 at 40 i ran a 139 which made up for the year before <laughs> i've only missed this twice once from an injury and once from a deployed with the military that's a good excuse eh? that's, that's a good one yeah each year each year you're allowed to get a minute slow yeah yeah nice i only missed it. it's a good little challenge which keeps me focused on running going into the australian winter that is a good idea isn't it mm. every year you get you get a minute yeah you know and, and and if you get deployed to the military which john and i probably don't have that problem but hey mm. you never know um James Thomas goes off on uh, on his wedding anniversary. He goes to a race every year that his wife gives him permission to do. Goes with his wife. So there you go. That was more of a Steve wedding and called us out every time at the race. There, so it's good to hear. Um, Tony West uh, plan was to do Melbourne, which was just before I turned fifty. I mean, broke the plan. So doing Bustleton had a thought of doing Port Macquarie on my actual birthday, but the wife disapproved of that <laughs> idea. <laughs> Sonia Pepin, I did Challenge Rope, my first long distance triathlon on my birthday this year. Great party. Mm. Oh, and, and for 43 years ago, I ran 40 miles. 40 miles. So what's that? It's about 60 something, is it? Uh, 64. Good old Ben Colborough. Uh, triathlon event with family and friends. Point systems for finishes. Oh, nice. Peter Mills. Why Epic Camp? 
Only one way to be threatened with a 100 100s workout. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. Peter Giffins has got... Uh, if you ask my wife the answer, she would be sell almost racing triathlon stuff and go crazy on a sightseeing trip. That's not happening. Nice. Uh, Peter Colson, when he turned 44, he ran 44Ks that day. And then for his, uh, his suggestion for Bevan's stag do, they played golf uh, at a nice resort. Uh, they weren't rushed, played teams using the best ball. It was a blast. My problem is... Wait a second, he's got, but a suggestion for your Bucks Bev is a day mountain biking. Everyone is usually rubbish at it, so it's heaps of fun. I'll put my afterwards. hand up, I'm rubbish. Yeah, I'm rubbish. Well, we've got that new park by then, it'll be up. The, the mountain bike. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, in Christchurch, they're building this big mountain bike. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. Chairlifts and everything. Like millions of dollars are going mm. into it. So, what do it cost to use, I wonder? Don't know. It can't be a free resource. No. No. Um, the only problem is, John, I suck at golf. Yeah. Are golf. you any good at golf? I'm okay. I I'm not great. I'm, okay. I'm kind of like 130 to a round kind of guy. Mm. I suck at golf. I just. Mini golf's the solution then. Yeah, even then, I'm pretty poor at it. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm just not a golfer, John. I'm <laughs> just. Yeah. Lauren Webb thought it's. Okay. Swim 40 yards, bike for. Swim 40 yards? It's, not, it's like. No, but listen. Here we go. Lauren Webb. Swim 40 yards, bike 40 meters, yeah. <laughs> run 40 meters, drink 40 beers. So I like that's that a lot of drinking. I tell you what, I'd be one beer and I'm out. Uh, oh, how tell? I did the Club de Chinglais de Mont Ventoux. Great experience. I'm picking. I haven't actually clicked on that, but I'm picking that that's uh, an event you can do. Or that is the event you can do where you climb Mont Ventoux um, from multiple different angles. So there's there's three different ways you can go up Mont Ventoux, but I think they basically do loops and come up several different times so you can come up the, <clears throat> the classic route is to come up from Bedouin which is the way that we went up there uh, and that's uh, the hardest way and then there's a way you usually go down is to a place called Malachine or something like that and then there's also another way you can come up from Salt um, so he probably did all three da all three ways which is pretty impressive it's pretty impressive isn't it mm, okay uh, Lee Carmel trips Kona for 40th birthday Mm -hmm. Lucy Francis buy a new bike that's a good answer Brit Chan New York Marathon for 40th birthday before I became a triathlete mm -hmm. ok Jonbo other than what you did what else could you do I'd, I'd generally like to do the num number of something so you know my 41st maybe swim 41 100s um, bike 41 k's and run 41 k's maybe um, are you going like to do that? that I don't know but I'd, I'd like doing things like that so definitely the swimming um, running 41 k's that takes a little more discipline mm -hmm. Yeah. But no, I thoroughly enjoyed my birthday experience this year. And for Bevan's stag do, um, what are you going to do? Well, I think we could do like a multi-sport day. So it's not, it's it's, it's more of a um, a fun multi-sport day. So you you kind of have events throughout the day. Mm. And some of them will be gameplay. Some of them might be sporting, but not really, if you know what I mean. Like there might be a mini golf comp component, mm. a run component, but it's kind of more of a, an adventure run with there's some mm. puzzles or something along the way. So it's kind of a, a cool experience that involves... Climbing wall. That We did that on, yeah. my, on my one. Yeah, something like that. Luckily, we weren't too drunk by that stage. We went to the YMCA and went up the, the climbing wall. Yeah. Yeah, so stuff like that. Like obviously, it's not that I don't want people to drink in my, in my sex, too, because people will, but um, <coughs> it's just, yeah, something like that. So, we yeah. should make you do a yard glass of water. That's do you know a what? challenge. So, so me and my friends years ago, we did this thing called, um, we had a basically Who Dares Wednesday, mm -hmm. and the whole idea was um, 
it was basically everyone put came along with pieces of paper, write deers in a piece of paper, threw them in a hat, mm. and you pulled the deer out, and it was just who who basically last mm. man standing. We did some crazy stuff, like I had no eyebrows, I had to wax my balls, like it was <laughs> all over the place. Yeah, um, I ate a can of, I had a whole can of fish cat food. That's disgusting. I would yeah, do that. yeah, it was not good. It no. was, there's a video of it. I had a yeah. pig snout. Yeah, oh, like one that they gave dogs. Like, yeah. Oh, That's God. disgusting. <laughs> even think of it now but i did it and we we got to the last year and mm. the last year was drink five liters of water without going to the toilet mm. and you just had to drink it as fast as possible no we i think i can't remember how fast it was kind of you had to have a glass every kind of two minutes or something um, that's actually quite dangerous yeah 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 my kidney it was <laughs> yeah. not good and then one of the other, one of the other deers which is a different part of the hooties was one thing we did was you had to have a glass of water every five minutes until you went to the toilet. Mm. It was hilarious because mm. you just, you know, and the guy who won it, he won it just because he stayed still. Because mm. all of us looked like we we're bloody hopping mad and, you know, mm. yeah. and he just stayed still and he mentally broke us. So, yeah, yeah, a glass of water is not much fun. Okay. Yeah. Hit me with some music, Bevan. We've got a new segment coming up. Oh, it was a new segment? Is this the movie review? Yeah. Oh, here we go. I need, I need, I need cinematic, John. Here we go. Movie review with John and Bevan. Yeah, I was, just made it one up. Yeah, I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't going with you because yeah. I didn't know where you were going. Well, I just kind of made it up. I just got a new thing. So, just, so the other week, last week, I got a text from John saying, do you want to do a mandate? Mm. Well, you said you wanted to go. Yeah, yeah. So because John loves the movies. We know that. Every week he talks about the movies seen. I went to the movies twice that day, John. Goodness me. Yeah, when I saw the new Bourne Sunday, movie. Friday. Sunday, Friday. I was pretty happy about that because when yeah. I saw the new Bourne movie. Yeah. It was a great Friday. I actually slept in. Yeah. Which is the one thing I always love about Sunday, Friday. Um, then Joe and I went for a run mm-hmm. we she went up Monk Spur and we did that kind of crazy run mm-hmm. and then went to the movies and went and saw Jason Bourne mm-hmm. okay not great but you know with the watch and then in the yeah. afternoon came home played my piano read a book it was all good and then caught up my mate John yes and John goes to me well, I've got a movie that we can see which I'd actually talked about and he got yeah. some tickets to and the movie was it was called Le Ride. So the, the whole idea of the movie was Phil Keegan, who is my friend, who I didn't actually get a chance to catch up with, who's not really my friend, but <laughs> called my friend. Um, Phil Keegan is the guy from The Amazing Race. And he read a book from some New Zealand publishers, which was a pretty obscure book, because I don't know, I hadn't heard of it. Have you heard of Melina it? Melina had heard of, it, heard of him when I mentioned it the other day. There's I, a guy called Somebody Watson, and he was the first we should really get that New Zealand athlete first New Zealander to ever ride the Tour de France in 1928. And it's an amazing story because basically what happened was, at that time, Harry Watson was the guy, um, at that time, basically Tour de France was a pretty big thing, Mm. you know, in France and and probably in the cycling world. And so Harry and three other Australian guys thought they'd go over and do the Tour de France. And they turned up to France. Now, at that time, you know, these guys, the teams would have 10 guys in their team. Mm. And the other thing I didn't realise at those times that the domestiques actually came in later in the race. Mm. Now, that doesn't happen nowadays, does it? It certainly doesn't. No, so domestiques basically would turn up halfway through the race to help their riders through. Mm. Um, so they decide they're going to go over and do the Tour de France and they arrive in France and the French media basically a bit of a laughing Ridicule, stock really. Ridicule them. Yeah, yeah, because these guys have no idea what they're facing mm. and the fascinating thing about the race that year was it was the least successful finish rate of all time, even mm. to this day. So I think 160 riders started and maybe 44 finished, something like that. It was, yeah, at most. Yeah. yeah. And so it was just crazy racing that no one could really finish and when you look at the coverage what they were riding on the the roads and stuff unsealed roads 
bikes. They get like the 14 foot tires a day. Yeah. It was just like ridiculous. And stages were ridiculously long. And so average was 150 miles throughout the tour, but a lot of the stages were 200 miles. 200 miles plus. Yeah. And, and then the stages through the mountains were even 200 miles plus. They must have had some shorter ones in there somewhere. But uh, 200 miles to the mountains is insane. Oh, my God. And so, so what Phil and a friend of his did is they decided what they were going to do is they were going to bike the same course on the same bikes mm. of that time. Now, obviously, it was a lot easier because they're on normal roads or the roads that we have in modern times. Um, but pretty pretty great doco, wasn't it? Yeah, it was great. And we don't want to give it all away because you know you guys can hopefully go and see it, and I'm sure it'll end up on YouTube at some stage. If you're a New Zealander, it's still going through the country with the New Zealand Film Festival. So I really enjoyed it. It is pitched at um, you know cyclists will love it, triathletes will love it, but it also is also pitched at the, the everyday general person. everyday yeah. person, um, and. It is. It's. It's trying to recreate that story of these guys going through that that tour. So it's not all about. Oh hi, I'm Phil Kogan. I'm amazing. I'm doing this. Yeah. It's, it's. It's very much far from respectful that. of the mm. you know what they're talking about. And yeah, what was insane to me, and I would love to see a second version of this documentary that actually was more about them and about them doing it. Well, a big Phil part Kogan. of it is them, but then they are kind of not humble, but it's not about. You know, it's not about you how great you know, we are. And that's what I said to Bevan, I think, and also to Phil, Phil who went along, is they didn't make it. Uh, I felt that they didn't show how hard it really was for them yep. in terms of they, – they, they, the, the, some days they were riding for 23 hours. Yeah. And, and not easy riding. No, like through the mountains and stuff, and then they were getting up the next day and doing it. And they are riding these bikes, which were 1920s bikes. So they, they got these bikes, and admittedly they got some guys to fix them up. But like day one – they run long, and his, his front stem st- breaks. Yeah, stem snap. They they basically, t- no, we don't want to, you, you guys can see it. But, but you, but, like trusting your bike going down some of those hills, oh, and those the brakes, you know, like, man, it was respectful what they were doing. If you had to change, to, they had, you, you couldn't change gears. If you wanted to do that, you had to take out your back wheel and actually physically then take your chain off and actually move it onto the different gear. So once you change gear, you're kind of committed to that gear all the way up. Uh, so it was it was impressive, but they I would have loved to have actually seen been the fly on the wall on that because they would have gone through some amazing suffering like you wouldn't believe. Plus their support crew, um, were, they were getting lost all the time, and there would have been lots of arguments oh. and stuff like that. And I would have loved to have seen that because we we know a little bit about that from from epic campsite of things how how tired you get, but that this is a completely different level. So yeah, it was insane. And when they used to do the Tour de France back in those days. It was a tour de France. They you you did France. Yeah. a complete lap of France, uh, so it was a lot longer, and yeah, it was crazy. It, it, it was. It, it was the thing. It was. A, it was a great doco because it, the story of Phil and his mate doing it was really fascinating, and he, obviously he's been a media and BTV guy for so long, so it was quite entertaining. Then you had mm. to get the laughs out, and you know, and it was, so it showed that side. It showed the adversity a lot as well, um, but just the coverage of. The story of what happened in, the, mm. in, I can't remember what year it was. Maybe. 1928. 1928, okay. So the story of what happened in that race was was pretty fascinating. And and as, you know, Phil, the, his motivation was, there's this guy called Harry Wilson, a Kiwi guy, who should be a New Zealand cycling legend, mm. and nobody knows of him. And, mm. you know, and he lived in Christchurch, where John and I lived, and, and I'd never heard of him. No, Did you? no. You know, and this guy was a legend. And um, one of the guys, so of the three Australians, one of them went on to become a bit of a cycling legend mm. and even a political guy in Australia, became quite well known. But, 
Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure exactly how you get it overseas. The website is philkeganride.com. Um, I'll put that, or leeride.com. I'll put that in the show notes, but you might be able to go there. It'll probably end up on Netflix or mm. something like that eventually, but um, highly recommend. Great doco, eh? Mm, really good. Yeah. Afterwards, I suggested John goes to the casino. He, he, oh, I was so tempted, but I knew I had to be on the train at, oh, I knew I had to get up at 5.15, and I, I was going to be on the train at, oh. You know, oh, you, I, I thought I thought John won't go. Casino. Yeah, we'll go to casino, drop some money. Very tempted, oh, mate. You're an athlete. You give up your athlete stuff. Mm. And the problem was, I did have quite a bit of cash in my wallet that night. I said to be even got a little bit of cash on hand at the yeah, moment. And I was like, all or nothing. When you when you go in and you got to get it out of the card each time, it's different. When you got cash, just another twenty, just another. Because I don't play blackjack. I was thinking you could teach me a few tricks. You know, uh, I actually hold on. We uh, and and rope. It's where we're 98 there. We'll have a. Uh, Is there a, a casino ga- there? No, we have a gam- We'll have an in-house gambling agent. Okay, nice, nice, nice. Yeah. <laughs> we have someone at the door if the police turn up, like yeah. old school. Yeah. So. Here we are, mate. We're gonna have a gambling night in road. We used to do that with my mates back here. We we made up some boards and things like that, and we'd just have twenty cent pieces, and we'd we'd have different different uh, games to play, and it was great. Okay, there you go. Um, John, we've got an interview coming up. Yes, we have. So Tim Pickett from. Um, came over on Epic Camp and I really wanted to do this interview because Tim was one of our support crew but also he had a number of gadgets on the camp that athletes found really beneficial that you're going to hear about so I wanted to make sure we got some of some of that across to you guys in terms of you know different um, things that you can be doing you know it's all good and well going get a massage all the time um, but we, a, a lot of us can't afford that and b it's you know it's an extra couple of hours out of your day to go and actually do it whereas Tim had some tools you can use while you're you know sitting in front of the TV that can really enhance your recovery but also sort of in, help with a little bit of injury prevention so I want to cover a little bit of that I want to cover um, his sort of view of Epic Camp from a support side of things he's a qualified physio as well he's also a coach so I want to get his different perspectives and straight after Epic Camp he was also going off and running a 100 kilometer running race oh, wow. and so I was interested to see How'd um, oh, to see, yeah you, you'll hear about that so here comes Tim okay okay guys this, we're just uh, gonna wrap up Epic Camp sort of stuff um, one guy that I didn't manage to interview over there is going to be with us today talking a little bit about that but also about a bunch of other things because he is a physiotherapist, a retool bike fitter, he's a coach and he's also an athlete himself. So Tim Pickett from uh, the UK, welcome back to the show. Thanks very much John, good to talk to you again. Yes. Now, How's the legs recovering once? It's it, My recovery's been quite, quite good and, uh, and I seemed to come around on the camp fairly well pretty much from the time I think I'm not sure if I got a massage from you or from Ollie I got one from each of you guys but pretty much since I, I had that and since I managed to release my bowels everything's sort of been on the uh, on the up since then so yeah I was really keen to get your impressions of Epic Camp from the the, the point of view from physio and, and support crew and kind of what you saw from the athletes as they went through the camp versus maybe what you thought you might see. Yeah, the camp was was really interesting. Um, I mean, I've worked on a number of different sort of camps, so working with amateur cyclists, amateur triathletes, through to sort of semi-pros, uh, sort of development squad uh, triathletes, that kind of thing. But usually along the sort of one-week, 10-day type camps, not quite as long as what you guys were going for. Mm. So, I think that, again, my expectations going into it were this was going to be a bunch of your typical alpha males actually going out there smashing it. Uh, and I think you had, you had a 
and this has all been covered on some of your other uh, Epicamp interviews, that you've got a real spread of abilities and probably maybe a slightly different spread compared to previous years. But it, it worked really well that there was nobody going out there and really just trying to destroy each other. Um, there was a big spread sort of following the vans. You know, you're seeing obviously, um, you know, the, the machines like Adam and mm. people like that off the front. Um, and then obviously your, your Gruppetto's further out the back there. But, um, yeah, the, it, it, it was more the kind of people at the back that were particularly impressing me. Um, I mean, your classic examples, like your, your Louis, I mean, he was just a, an absolute inspiration. And, and maybe, we'll, maybe we'll talk about my 100K, but he was an inspiration to keep me going through that because the, the pain that guy was going through from day one onwards um, was just phenomenal. And the fact he kept just plugging away. Uh, and the same goes for, I suppose, again, people like sort of Chrissy. Um, again, just another one who was just tapping away at the back and just doing her thing uh, along with the other girls. Um, so, yeah, sort of very different to what I worked with previously. Um, and the guys and, and girls were all much more sort of self-sufficient. So, again, the the athletes I worked with in the past, and this is maybe where we're going to come on to in a bit, is the sort of more sort of elite end have got used to having a vast amount of background support with them so you know your physio and your massage and they rely on it a lot more mm. whereas these guys they i mean they weren't they uh we you know we had a few guys who picked up injuries on the on the camp you know nothing major um you know a few, few sprains and um a few sort of general overload type things um but by and large they weren't they weren't desperately hungry for for the sort of physio and the, and the massage which was which was interesting mm. um but uh, yeah, there was still that sort of level of professionalism within it all. Um, How did you find the athletes' bodies responding? You know, from um, from sort of doing massages, say, and, and and treatments with athletes early in the camp to to later in the camp. Did you notice um, were athletes' bodies changing significantly? You know, I know for me. Um, I sort of battled through the first first half of the camp, and by the second half of the camp, um, you know, I was on fire and had you know next to no muscle soreness or anything like that. How did you sort of find for for other athletes yeah. going through the camp in terms of how their bodies ch- changed? Did they adapt? Did they sort of stay the same, or was there quite a bit of variability amongst the group? No, there was. There was that variability, and um, some of that came down to just the level of experience, and not necessarily talking age, but just experience maybe within the sport. Um, and there must have been a, a degree of um, just background fitness as well. So, mm. I mean, there were those who got stronger without, throughout the camp, like yourselves, mm. um, who you know maybe stiff and sore at the beginning, but then seemed to sort of come into themselves. And there were others who that that workload was obviously pushing them way beyond what they were used to. Um, and there were a few people who did start to break down a little bit. Um, so, so yeah, there is that just, I suppose, split within the, it's not so much a split, but a spectrum throughout the, the squad that you had there. But there were those maybe more at the back end of the group who did adjust the, the amount of training that we're doing and, and not necessarily trying to keep up with, with camp completion. Mm. Uh, and they did make smart decisions and, and missed runs on certain days or, or dropped off and got in the van on certain days. So they, they saved themselves. So they, you know, they listened to the bodies. Um, Charles, for example, um, he, 
he obviously knew he wasn't as fit as he used to be. So he made the smart decisions. He rode the bits he needed to or wanted to do and, and, and made some smart decisions elsewhere. And, um, you know, a couple of the guys, you know, they did pick up little niggles and they did back off and that, that got them through rather than just, you know, sticking their head in the sand and, and smashing on. Mm. So, I mean, as for sort of the hands-on side of things, yeah, I mean, there were some guys who did get stiffer and tighter, um, but there are others like yourselves who mm. really sort of came into themselves. Uh, so I suppose looking forward, you know, if anybody's looking to sign up to one of these camps in the future is, you know, get just get that volume in the body mm. because that's obviously going to help mm. and make sure you've got a bit more, probably, you know, a good, a good level of, experience within your body i mean not it doesn't necessarily have to be within swim bike and run but just that depth of being able to go for a long time mm. you know all day day after day mm. um within any kind of sport and that's gonna that's gonna see you through as well mm. so um any particular highlights for you during the camp you know a lot of the athletes have sort of said the you know the particular climbs or anything like that but was there anything in particular for you that was uh, from the support side of things that you thought Man, that's pretty cool. Any any particular sites or or anything the athletes did or anything you experienced yourself? I mean, the sites were just phenomenal. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I won't be. Able to, I'm glad you're not saying you're going to do it again next year. Be planning <laughs> on doing it two years time. I was just gutted. I didn't have my bike with me. Yeah. Um, you know, driving along all those roads, seeing those scenes. It, you know, it was phenomenal and a fantastic route choice. Just working your way through the Alps. Uh, I mean, we were lucky. We had, we obviously had good weather, didn't we? Mm. Uh, apart from that one spell going off out to Wales. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I haven't been back to the Alps in a couple of years, so it was just fantastic to get back there. And um, I've got a sort of glimpse of Mont Blanc, which has been a bit of a, a nemesis for me. Unfortunately, I've had two attempts at climbing that and had to turn around twice due to different reasons. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's really kind of fired me up to get back out there. Um, and the other thing is just, you know, getting back into... Um, being around these kind of athletes, it really just sort of confirmed to me that I've got to get back on that that wagon. I've, I've been away from triathlon for two years now, so um, I've I've now signed back up and I'm back on it next year. So uh, right. yeah, Ironman Switzerland is going to be the goal. Good. So and then I'm dragging my um, my brother-in-law into the game as well. So it's going to be his first one. Excellent. So a bit of a family affair. Now um... yeah. So I, John, I was I was back in the pool this morning for the first time. That was my first swim session in two years. Brilliant. One, one of, a couple of things you, you rolled out on the camp um, that got good use, but I didn't have time to, or I didn't make time to to get on it myself. You had one thing that you called the bed of nails. So I thought it'd be really good to discuss a little bit around self-management. You know, you guys were there doing some massage and treatments, um, but also, you know, a number of athletes were doing their own treatments and lying on your bed of nails. So maybe explain what that is, and then maybe if you can um, go into some other um suggestions you've got for athletes out there in terms of self-managing rather than just passively lying on the the massage table which we all know is absolutely fantastic um a there's a cost b there's um there's a time to actually go out there and do it so if athletes can be sitting in front of the tv or whatever um, just chilling out and doing things that are going to help their recovery or or potentially um you know uh, preventative measures for injuries so yeah maybe explain what the bed of nails is and and any other ideas or suggestions you've got yeah, absolutely. That, the better nails always gets, gets uh, a little bit of interest. Um, I mean, this really comes under the whole sort of banner of 
looking after your own body and, and not necessarily relying on having to get in with uh, a physio or massage therapist or something like that on, on quite such a regular basis. Now, that might sound like I'm talking myself out of business here, but um, it, it's, it's not really because we are, I mean, where I work, we're all about empowering you know our athletes to to take care of themselves and you know yes coming to see us is important and it's it's the icing on the cake but the bulk of the work you can do yourself mm. um, and any any decent therapist you go and see whether that's physio sports therapist chiro whatever they should be teaching you how to treat yourself so whatever we do to you we should be able to show you a way you can do almost the same yourself mm. and then you just need to come and see us literally for the icing on the cake mm. so the bed of nails is quite literally a bed with nails in it mm. although they're plastic nails not rusty old ones um I, where I've, it's a bit of a sort of voodoo magic really but where i've taken that idea from is actually from more the kind of yoga and meditation world uh where they use it for essentially you know comes back to I suppose your Indian meditation side of things but lying on this it's a, a cushioned mat with little plastic spikes in it um, and it just helps you relax it, I suppose it comes under the similar kind of philosophy of, of where acupuncture is coming in from a relaxation perspective but what I found with my athletes is particularly that real sort of tense muscle or sort of ITBs is a classic one or your back's got really stiff so for a lot of the guys like you mentioned um, JB used it quite a bit where you know you're, you're hunched over that bike you're grinding the bike out for hours on end and you're just carrying that tension in your shoulders and yes you can lie on the massage table and, and get beaten up but another believe it or not more gentle way is actually to you know lie on something like that better nails and just all those tiny tiny little prickles into the back there it just relaxes the muscles off relaxes all that tension and suddenly you get up after maybe 10 minutes of that and your back just moves or if you're lying on your your quads and your itb it just it relaxes that tension now the science behind it well we could argue whether there is any science behind it or not mm. um and again you know we go down the acupuncture route and there's going to be people that are for and people that are against it mm. um all i can say is it works mm. um I'm not aware of anybody else out there using it. So if anybody is out there, get in touch with me. Mm. Um, let's share some ideas. And if there is any research, great. But I very much doubt there is. And that's maybe something that will have to come into a PhD somewhere. Mm. Um, I mean, the other the other sort of tools really just to kind of push on is, you know, everybody's got foam rollers. And if they haven't, they need to get one. And yeah. if they've got one, they're probably just sat in the corner and hardly get used. <laughs> so everyone's sort of fairly familiar roller side of things uh the other things is using you know your lacrosse balls your tennis balls uh your peanuts peanuts being two tennis balls or two ten two lacrosse balls taped together into a obviously a peanut type shape yeah. um using um heavy resistant bands for doing soft tissue or joint mobilizations if anybody wants to really kind of explore this topic further a uh, good resource is kelly Sturat's website mobility ward uh, or search on on YouTube for Kelly Strat's work. He's got loads and loads of videos. He's um, no offense to the Americans, but you know he's an American chap and obviously full of energy and maybe not quite the taste of some of our more reserved Brits. But uh, he's got a lot of good ideas out there. Just in some of it sometimes needs needs toning out a little bit. Yeah. In terms yeah, of the, the bed of nails, um, is that a product you can you can buy out there? And if people do want to give it a, a, a go, what sort of protocol do you recommend in terms of easing your way into it? 
it is something you can buy out there. Uh, it's just off Amazon or one of the other online retail type stores. It's not something that I'm personally selling or anything like that. Mm. And protocols wise, the the general advice is, you know, you, you're using it skin onto the onto the nails. But if you're particularly sensitive, you can do it through clothing. But obviously, it's going to dull the effect. And it may be just starting off with a couple of minutes at time, building up to maybe 10 minutes or so. Mm. Uh, one physio that I've worked with, he's tried it himself. His nervous system is very, very sensitive. And he found that literally sort of five, 10 minutes. And he just thought, yeah, that's that's enough. Thank you very much. Personally, mm. I've used for 20 minutes, half an hour. And I've had patients use it for 20 minutes, half an hour as well in the past. So it's just one of those things, you know, start off gently, see how your body responds to it and and build it up gradually and just listen to how your body's responding. Mm. Now, now, one thing as we're going through um, Epic Camp, I was trying to make sure the support crew, you know, where possible, we had a little bit of an opportunity to go out and do some training and you managed to get a few runs in because you were leading up to a 100-kilometre running race uh, shortly after getting back from the camp. So I'm, I'm always intrigued with these ultra-distance races when there's triathletes doing them and I, and I know that you necessarily weren't in your prime shape, best lifetime shape or anything like that, but I'm really intrigued to, to hear what sort of emotions and, and muscle pain and exertion you go through in a, in a 100k race versus say what you do in a in an Ironman race because we know that feeling when you get halfway or three quarters of the way through the run and you sometimes your quads are just burning up and, and your legs are like bloody like just two big tree, tree stumps um, so what what talk us through your 100k race and, and how you experience that and, and if you've done any others you know maybe contrast it versus what we experience as we go through an Ironman race yeah uh, it, it's different like you say I'm I'm not in my my best shape at the moment by any stretch and miraculously i've managed to do these ultra marathons off the back of very very little training you know i some of my running weeks could be as little as sort of 15 to 20 miles a week and then i'm turning around and running a 50 mile fell race mm. um and i suppose this comes back to my point before is just having that depth of physical experience and, and probably more mental experience of, of going all day on your feet mm. so i as I mentioned at the beginning, I've had a step back from triathlon for the last couple of years just because of work and family commitments just meant I couldn't get the training done. So rather than trying to do training badly, I was I just took a step back. And my philosophy for the last couple of years has just been chasing scenery rather than chasing times. Mm. So I've just been getting out to the hills and just, you know, going a long time. So, I mean, the difference is I haven't been getting, the, you know, the muscle and even sort of energy system stresses that I would be getting doing Ironman racing previously because I've been going that bit slower. Mm. You know, my mid-race fueling was a pork pie, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Um, so a completely different sort of idea behind it. And, yeah, I mean, it, you know, my feet were battered and bruised by the end of, you know, the, the 100K that I did. But for me, it's, it was ticking off really almost like a childhood dream the race was running along what's called the ridgeway um, in mostly wiltshire and it was about a, the midway point is about a mile or so from where my parents are so i grew up running the middle section of that uh, that pathway so it's a it's a five thousand year old pilgrim's path going from avery stone circle which is stonehenge everyone would have heard of stonehenge mm. avery's a more of a knockdown version of that and then it's just all along the hilltops there so it's undulating but you know good quality uh path underfoot so it was you know, growing up as a kid knowing that the whole route existed but you know 
60, 70, 80 miles, nobody could ever run that, could they? And then I learned actually people do do it uh, and build up to it. And yeah, obviously gone and actually now run the whole thing. So yeah, it was just ticking off a, a childhood dream, really, and just seeing some fantastic scenery. We had great weather. I was doing it with my brother-in-law again and one of his friends. So it was just a, a cracking long day out. But I suppose there are those sort of emotional, you know, this is a long time on my feet. You know, things are hurting a little bit. And that's what I mentioned about sort of thinking back to some of the guys on the camp who, you know, were out there for hours on end. I mean, this race took me just over 13 hours. Crikey in five minutes or something yeah um so you know we weren't we weren't messing around i mean the winner did it in eight hours and 19 or something yeah uh, so we were we were way off the pace um and you know far longer than i've ever done you know my iron man's down in the sort of 10 hours mark yeah so longer than i would be out there for for an iron man and it yeah it's, it's a different different ball game really but i think you know if you're wanting to take a step back from from hardcore Ironman racing, but you're still looking for that endurance challenge. The you know the ultra marathon stuff does fit that bill, and it's it is a different stress. You think you know the stress of running a marathon w- would be less than doing an ultra, but I think it's the other way around because you are going that bit slower. You walk the uphills, yeah. and you just trot the flats and the downs. So it is very very different and and very very achievable. Mm. So I suppose the next question is what it's like to run a hundred miles because I've not done that yet. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow. One step at a time. Um, okay, that's awesome, Indeed. Tim. Um, maybe just for, for, for our UK listeners and, and guys sort of up your neck of the woods, maybe just give yourself a bit of a plug in terms of where you operate your, your physio clinics from, um, bike fitting and, and coaching and so on, if people want to find out more about you. Absolutely, cheers. Um, so I'm based in the northwest predominantly, uh, most of the clinics around the Manchester region. So we've got our, our main base in Manchester itself at Worsley, Worsley Physio Clinic. But then we've also got practices out at Preston at the college there and even out at Ruby Hall, if anybody knows the, the northwest, Ruby Hall's a, a spa place there. And there's also another practice at South Manchester and Cheadle. Uh, so, yeah, I'm part of a, a big group of uh, sports physios. We work with a lot of elite athletes. GB things like that so I help out with um, sort of British cycling on occasions British athletics that kind of thing we've got a lot of guys working with uh, mainly British athletics to be fair um, I'm also a bike fitter I use the, the retool system uh, so again looking after a lot of the local cyclists and triathletes but we get a lot of people coming from um, far and wide because of that physio and bike fitting and coaching sort of badge that sort of combination so i think the furthest anybody's traveled to see me is from saudi arabia believe it or not um <laughs> reputation does apparently um and then uh, yeah I do coaching as well so a mixture of runners and triathletes and again, my sort of, I suppose, unique selling point with the coaching is the fact that I'm coming from a, a physio background as well. So a lot of the people come to me are those that have had injuries, illnesses, you know, they've been struggling, you know, bad seasons, and it's maybe breaking it down and, and putting the physio hat on for a bit, not just the, the coaching hat and, and rebuilding them that way. Mm. So, yeah, if anybody does want to get in touch with me, my, my personal website is hp 3 uk, or you can look at worsleyphysioclinic.com or we've got uh, Preston Physiotherapy and Sports Injuries Clinic.co.uk. That one's a bit more of a mouthful. Fantastic. Um, or you'll find me on, on Twitter, which is HP3 underscore Tim. 
Nice. Now, Tim, you did a great job keeping us all together. And guys, I couldn't echo what Tim says um, in terms of, you know, if you, it, it does add that extra element to your treatment um, or to coaching or whatever, if you go to someone who does get what you're doing in terms of the demands of triathlon, especially Ironman stuff, you know, for all your physios are going to have a really good understanding of, of, of sports and so on, but those that actually have done it or, or have been very involved in the sport actually get it a little bit more. So uh, check out Tim's details and uh, thanks for keeping us all together on camp and uh, we look forward to tracking you over in Switzerland next year. You've got 12 months to get yourself in shape. Absolutely, looking forward to it. Okay, Jombo. So he finished the race. He did, and just yeah, different, different. Yeah, just sounds quite different, as as you as you all have heard. Bevan. Oh yeah, I was fascinated. I, I, that, that ultra distance running for me, it doesn't quite. Do you know one, tick th- my one box. problem I have with people who get endurance sports, and this is nothing against people who do ultra distance running, is longer always becomes the answer, not speed. Mm. You know, I see it with my runners. We get these people who go from five to ten to half marathons, and a lot of them end up doing marathons. And then they're just kind of saying that marathon mode or, you know, and the idea of trying to do a fast 10K doesn't seem to appeal to them. Mm. And um, and not nothing against Tim, it's nothing against people who are doing that longer stuff. But I think sometimes in your kind of athletic career is to go, no, I don't want to go long. I'm going to do a period where I only do 10 hours a week, but I'm going to try to go for real hard speed, which then when I go back to longer stuff, transfers to becoming a better athlete. Yeah, I've got two athletes this year that are, that I've pushed to go back to short course and um, the, the, the long course athletes race really regularly absolutely loving it yeah just go it's really cool to be racing regularly and just well, learning skills also, from that when we think about one of the appeals of our sport is that kind of testing of self and mm. testing of self under massive fatigue is definitely something we want to learn about that whole idea of can I push when there's nothing left but often in that place you're not trying to push fast it is a more mm. of a survival mode mm-hmm. and then pushing yourself when you're actually at high intensity is another oh, you know if we look at the, the appeal of what's happening in the fitness industry right now which is your your hits training which is that high intensity interval training you know learning about yourself in that place is, is a really fascinating thing to do mm. and you know while you know this is an Ironman show so obviously you guys like that long stuff it is good to have a period in your life where you're going to go no. Nah, I'm going to try to go fast and might try to get my 5k time down or I might try to hit my 10k time down mm. or on a bike a 40, 40k time trial something like that where I can just get in and, and really hit big intensity now if you do that then when you go back to the long stuff it has such an oh, yeah. advantage Absolutely. you know and also mentally as well because uh, if I can handle a higher intensity that does come across in my longer stuff as well so. absolutely uh, John let's put some music on Website of the week. That was very eighties of us, John. I my, uh, painted some some stuff in my eyes. Sound a bit sort of macarena-ish almost. Macarena-ish. Come yeah. macarena when I be my potato. No, it's a macarena. <laughs> no, okay. No. <laughs> okay, John. What's the website? Uh, so I thought we'd give the challenge family a bit of a plug here because one of the things they're doing this year is they're putting up the world top fifty prize money ranking for males and females. Nice. And it's been updated. Is this within the challenge world? Is it? No, no. It's 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 really trying to cover all all distances all distances all so ITU WTC and challenge so this is just prize money yes and as we've, we've heard in the past from athletes that it's not uh, large is it it's not large and, no, but not that, uh, I think with iron distance athletes they often do fairly well with their, their endorsements in terms of um, sponsors sort of matching prize money and stuff but it very much is short course well, 
fairly well short course dominated. So according to their rankings, Mario Mola is in first place, $85,500. Lionel Sanders, now that was one other name that wasn't on that KPR list. Oh. We've talked him up saying, holy crap, you know, what can he do? But he has not, uh, according to that list which I looked at before, he's either not going to Kona or... He hasn't ticked the box, I'm not quite sure. But he's in second place, 73,000. Fernando Alaza is in third, 53. Tim Burkle, fourth and 47. Keenlay, same at 47. Jonathan Brownlee, uh, 44. Tim Don, 40. Jan Fredino, 39. Ben Hoffman, 37. And Alistair Brownlee, 36. That's pretty low. It's pretty low. It's pretty low. Now, admittedly, the, <clears throat> like the um, Iron Races, you know, if you do well in Kona, you're going to be right up the top of that list. Mm. Um but if you'd asked me, we should have done it actually, what I thought the top triathlete would have earned to this point in this year, mm. I would have probably said somewhere around 150 to 200k, mm. you know, from prize money. That's what I would have pulled out of my butt. Yeah. Um, 85? Yeah. So if we, not much. If we looked at Keenlay or Fredino, what do they get for winning Kona? I think it's... Uh it's, it's 250, isn't it? If you want it's to 125. Oh, yeah, it's something like I think that. It's 125. Yeah. So that'll boost them. But that's a it's a big difference between first and second. Yeah. So somebody is gonna is gonna go go rocketing up there. Um, but even ITU, I thought ITU guys made shitloads of money. They get quite a lot in bonuses at the end of the season. So oh, again, that'll rocket up. The the the, the, the series prize money. Did is they do good. this last year? Do you know? Uh, I'm not 100% sure I don't think so Gwen Jorgensen's top on the girls side of things 63 Heather Wordle 56 Jodie Simpson 50 Flora Duffy 50 Daniela Reef 49 Jodie Swallow 43 Liz um, Lyles 39,000 Kesa Reef's only made 40 grand Yeah And Andrea Hewitt 36 And Helen Jenkins 35 So again I think, again, whenever we look at these things, what we've got to remember for the yeah. ITU athletes is they're so going to be doing even better. They're going to be getting supported. They're going to be cost, uh, you know, um, neutral costs throughout throughout the year by and large in terms of travel, so on and so on. They we get should money. have done the segment as we should have asked them what they thought as we answered. Mm. You know what I mean? We should have done the segment, what do you guys think would be the top? Mm. Because this is disappointing. Mm. Queen Jorgensen's a legend. Mm. 63,000? I think she'll be doing pretty well outside of this. But yeah, no, no, no. Admittedly, yeah. admittedly, these guys are probably making half a mil. Mm. But just from prize purse, you, think, yeah, you, that's you know, pretty that's pretty poor. disappointing. Like, it was so funny. We were watching news last night, and there's a there's a golfer called um, Ryan what's Fox. Ryan Fox. So, so there's a legendary old black called Grant Fox, and his son's a golfer, and he's kind of second tier guy. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, he gets Going a lot of PR. In Zealand, what's that? Going to the Olympics. Yeah, but. He's not on one of the big tours. No. You know, so, and, and, um, but it gets a lot of media coverage because he's a bit of an all black legend's son and, and he's actually seems like a really cool guy. Mm. So, um, gets lots of exposure in that way. So, yesterday, or over the last few days, he won a tournament which was a second tier tournament somewhere mm. in Europe. So, it, it, basically, it's the feeder tour to the, mm -hmm. the European tour. And I think he's second on the overall tour card in that tour. So he should be in a pretty good place to get into the main tour next year. And he is going to the Olympics, so good luck to him. He got 50K for winning a second tier mm. tournament. Mm. No one was there. Mm. Like, who watched this at? Like, mm. God knows. And I go to Joe, oh, yeah, Joe, babe, at an Ironman race. And I said, that, that's crazy how much money golf gets. Because then at the same time, I think the guy who won the US Open got two and a half million or something. Mm. I said, it's crazy how much money golf gets. Because at an Ironman race, a good one gets the whole prize purse is fifty thousand. Yeah, yeah. Joe was like, "Really?" She couldn't believe it. Yeah, and I was like, "It's sad, really, isn't it?" It is. It S is. Someone like Gwen Jorgensen's only put off sixty three thousand. Mm. 
you know, to, to this point in the year is it's a bit disappointing, John. It is. You know, now and we know that we can say, well, look, they're making shitloads of money outside of it. But still, mm. you know, it's pretty, pretty average. Mm. So well done, challenge for putting it up there. Um, okay, Jumbo, my first try. My first try. Wait a second. My, my first, first try. try. Good old Swanee Noah sent this through. Now, you told me to ask Swanee Noah about that, what's that woman's runner's name? Um, the drug cheat? Galvin, someone Galvin? Lisa Hunter Galvin, something yeah. like that. She yeah. was a New Zealander who went to the Olympics running for the marathon and then got uh, done for EPO. Not at the Olympics, but elsewhere, and she admitted to it. Good, good on her for admitting to it and saying, I was wrong. I do respect people for doing that. And she comes back, she lives in the States now, but she comes back and she does race in New Zealand quite a lot. Win, still. Wins, wins quite a few of the marathons. And uh, Tony Noah sent me through an email. Yes. Voice his opinion, not to be not to be read on the show. Yeah, that's what I told you. <laughs> and I, I felt a bit of a John Newsom rant coming on through his email. Yeah, and uh, it turns out, yeah, she, yeah, she's not the most loved person in the running world. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, but Swanee Noah, here we go. He did his first triathlon. I foolishly entered Ironman New Zealand in two thousand and three. I think that was the first year I did it as well. I told you two thousand and two. I can't remember. Without doing a triathlon, first try was the mighty Sumner Surf pre-Christmas sprint triathlon in two thousand and two. Put on, a, put on by the wonderful Canterbury Triathlon Club. That race mm-hmm. doesn't happen anymore, does it? Well, this, that's, that is going to be back to being the venue for the Cedar Sky Challenge. Because it used to be called the Christmas Cracker, wasn't it? It did, but the roads have got a bit busy for that now. Oh, and, to, and they were closed for a while. Because you used to go out to Linwood, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, it sounds like uh, they no longer have this great race, although it's been upgraded twenty now, hasn't it? To what it the Sovereign Cedar Sky Challenge. Here we go. Um, this was my first ever open water swim. It was a rough surfy day. I got smashed in the waves and wondered how the hell I was going to swim a 3.8k swim, having never swum that distance in the pool. Can't remember the bike. <laughs> lots of people, he passed lots of people on the run, and that was it. The results are not on Athletics. I, I might still have those results somewhere, so I should uh, try to get them up there for you, Swanee. Yeah. I'll see what I can do. I didn't do that race, because I, th- I started triathlon about this time. I can't remember. Mm. I'm pretty sure 2003 was my first time, man. Mm. Pretty sure it was. But those were the good old days where you used to have swims, where if there was a bit of waves and stuff out there, good on crack, you. crack on. Get on with yeah, it. Yeah. Those races these days would be cancelled very, very quickly. But that was somewhat was refreshing for me last year. We did actually have the Sea to Sky venue there, and that is the challenge with that yeah, because it, they can get some pretty can get some waves in there. It is sheltered. More often than not, there's not waves where you actually have the race because it's got a little bit sheltered in the corner, but you certainly can do. And I said to the surf guys, oh, what's the story going to be with waves? I said, oh, no, they were actually quite quite, quite good about Proactive it. About so it, really. um, it's more the athletes that, that crap themselves. So go, go swim out there in the waves. One day you might get to, get to a race and it'll be, the swim will be on even though there's waves out there. So, so you know, I did 2003. I'm pretty sure it's my first race. but And I'd say it's my first race, but it actually wasn't. My first triathlon I ever did was one they used to do at Clearwater. Yes. Do you remember that one? Yes. Yeah, I think I did that as my warm-up race. Mm-hmm. And it was just a short course sprint. It was a great course because mm-hmm. you used to swim in the little lake they have there. Mm-hmm. And then the, you do laps on the Clearwater. Yeah, golf course. Uh, yeah, it? and then yeah. you'd run around. I can't remember. I think I got third. Yeah. I got third equal with, I think... What? A guy called Phil, and he clearly beat me, but they gave me pretty cool. I made the most out of that, I tell you. Uh, <laughs> why don't you go on to ironmannewzealand.co.nz, and they have all, there's one great thing about Ironman in New Zealand, they do have all the past results. See if you can find your, your first Ironman. Pretty sure I did like 10.48, but let's have a look. And I'll go on to, and see if you beat Swanee, if it was the same year. Oh, he would have beat me, for sure. Yeah, well, yeah Swanee was uh, is a good runner. He was a great um, runner. 
Then results, okay. Yeah. Results from Ironman New Zealand. Okay, you F- go. Athlinks.com, guys. Sponsor. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm doing my job. Um, look, we've seen Vineman come back this uh, Well, not Vineman come back, but Vineman this year is, a, is an Ironman race uh, as opposed to not being Ironman race in the, in the past. So, look, for you guys who have done Vineman in the many years gone, where have the results gone? They seem to have disappeared, but they still are on Athlinks. Similarly, at Ironman Canada, um, that race used to be in um, Penticton, and it's obviously moved. The results are going to be, be all over the place, going to be hard to find things. But I had a bit of a look up there, and got, got back in 2001, Peter Reid took out Ironman Canada, 8.27 from Olivia, 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 Olivia Bernard and Matthias Klump. Oh, Gordo was back there, place back then. 57 swim, 5 hours on the bike, 3 and 11 uh, on the run. Took out the, surely that wasn't male, 25 to 29. But I guess my point is, guys, races are disappearing all over the place, changing names, changing ownership, and you want to make sure that you keep all your results in one place. So get up, get them up there on athlinks.com to make sure that when these races disappear, you have got a record of what you're doing. So check it out, athlinks.com. Back in 2003, John. Yeah. Ken Brown. Took it out in an 8.22. That's a pretty good time. Yes. That was a pretty good time because he didn't do many in the... Mm. Well, no, that was one of his better ones. Olivia Bernhardt? Olivia Bernhardt, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, he was second place here as well at Ironman Canada in 2001. Oh, there you go. So he was pretty... And then Jan van Rogen? Roden? He's South African, was he? Yeah. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Yep. And then class was third, Chris Liedo. Right. Was in fifth place. Yeah. Gordo got seventh that year. Yeah. And then I think Joe Lawn won the girls. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Bevan James Isles. Here we go. Here we go. We did it. Like, I think I did about ten. Here we go. Let's go down ten. I think I did in the forties. Ten. Here we go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's Great go. Great podcast. Eh? Richard Swanee Noah. Ten forty nine. Oh, what I do? I think I did ten fifty eight. Actually, I think I just got under eleven. Oh, yeah, I did ten. 59.10. You smoked him, Swanee. You beat him by ten minutes. Oh, by, yeah, Swanee Noah. There you go. Fantastic. So let's have a look at his splits. Richard Swan, he got, yeah, so he, he, he swam a 105. Mm-hmm. I swam a, where am I, 159, okay. I swam a 103, so I beat him in the swim. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good because I didn't swim at all, but he was, yeah, he was, you know. Uh, which is Swan, what did he do? 239, Swanee Noah, If you're on Athlinks right now, you can have yourself set up as rivals, set up, set up as rivals, and you can basically go boom. It'll give you the time differential between the two. You can compare your splits straight away, and it makes all this stuff a lot he more wrote fun a and easy. Five forty nine, and then ran a three forty eight, which for his running ability, was poor run. <laughs> <laughs> Ian Scott was between us. Ian Scott came in at a ten fifty three. Okay, so I ran. I rode a five forty three. So I rode slightly faster than him. I think. Yeah. But then I ran a 403. Ooh. Yeah. My second half, my... F- I wonder if you have your splits. Do they have the splits up there still? They may do, I don't know, but... Um, okay, you, you keep talking about something because I'll try to find my we'll splits. We'll go into questions and answers. Questions and answers. Last week, Bevan, Bevan posted a question out there. You know, how big is uh, are those Swiss stars these days in terms of your Danielle Reef and how big was um, Badman and stuff in, in her day? We had a couple of replies. Good old Peter Mills. Um... He says over here in Switzerland, the skiers get lots of press, uh, so so many to name it would be impossible. L- Lara Gutt is probably the most well-known active skier. Never heard of her in my life. Never heard of her. No. Pretty much Federer, Cancellara and Vavinka are the, and a footballer named Shakira. 
Hips don't lie. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, those are the household names that get all the media. I don't see Reef or um, Spurig much on the billboards or commercials. They are known, but I don't think they have many issues with paparazzi. The odd advert here and there, similar to similar with the guys. The name is known, but it's not similar to Dan Carter walking down the street in New Zealand. I don't see those guys going looking for a lot of attention. By the way, Zurich is a brilliant race, um, and you should go and check it out. And then I uh, got another one in from uh, Mark Stettler. He was telling me a couple of things. He said in Switzerland, Natasha Badman was the deal in her day. She was in all the tabloids, and you know in Switzerland when you are there. Um, now, Daniela, now Daniela, Daniela Reef as well. People outside triathlon always talk to me about her, know her name, and that she won the race the last two weekends. Ronnie, the day before and after Ironman, you'll read about him, but the rest of the year no one knows about him, no one ever talked to me about him. Uh, triathlon in Switzerland is Reef slash Badman um, if, if we did not have them maybe people wouldn't care but in the end it's a Hawaii <coughs> excuse me the other qu- um, thing that he pointed out uh, also made a comment around um, what's her name Bridget McMahon who got busted for drugs yep. for EPO and she was the first ever Olympic champion I think I commented last week yep and so he's done after the Olympics, but didn't. Yes. Yeah. And uh, and we've kind of going. All has been maybe forgiven. And he's saying she's now the top age grouper in Switzerland. Wins most races on podiums. General public don't know about her EPO past. Only about the gold medals. Uh-huh, As we don't have many summer golds, we remember them. But I hate it when she chucks me at races. That's really fascinating, isn't it? That that, <clears> that didn't really get picked up on. Mm. I wonder if that happened like, like so we think of a Kiwi legend like a Sarah Elmer or, or um, like a Daniel Loder mm. like if they got done afterwards what would have been the New Zealand response would have we rejected them absolutely you think yeah because that's pretty fascinating <clears throat> that the people didn't know about it after the fact mm. you know just quite happy that they have gold medalists and she's kind of gotten away with it mm. pretty fascinating okay we've got an email through from Robin I can't, don't know the last name he said you need Trotman M- Mr Big Robin Trotman oh very good Robin Trotman uh, check out Lance Armstrong's podcast have you no, I have no interest in it. I have no interest in either. It either. Yeah. So he's. Uh, I'm sure he's interesting. I'm sure it will be interesting, but it's just like, uh. he's still a cock. Yeah, yeah. You know, drugs one side. Some people take. I understand the drug side of things, but he's just a cock. Yeah, but maybe he's. Yeah, who knows? Um, being from New Zealand, you may not enjoy it too much, but I am from Texas, so I like the Texas talk. He says something that blew my mind. I think either episode two or three. He really talks about cycling in the podcast, but he was talking about the. The Vontu? Vontu climb where Froome rode with on a kid-sized Maverick-sized bike and then ran on his cleats. Then Lance says, Richie Port will win Kona. What the heck was he talking about? I tweeted uh, the question back at him but got no reply. Just thought it would be an interesting topic for you. Y'all. <laughs> y'all, I have to admit, when I went to Texas, Robin, I loved y'all. I, I said y'all for the next six months of my life. Hey, y'all, Don, y'all. Yeah. Y'all, 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 y'all. Um, so yeah interesting for those of you that didn't know Richie Port did used to be a triathlete before cycling uh, so now he's a very good cyclist he was Chris Froome's number one domestique for, for the first couple of times that he won the tour and this year he was a contender to, to a degree was he a good um, triathlete? That was the thing. I haven't actually checked out how good he was, but from memory, I'm pretty sure he was an Australian junior rep. And to do that, you have to be pretty decent. Yeah. The, the Australians have some very good juniors and uh, and very good elite athletes as well. So, um, yeah, I, I, I potentially could. I mean, the, the difference is Lance Armstrong, he, he could have won Kona, 
um, when he when he made his comeback and when he was building up to it. The way that he sh- he raced in those seventy points. I'm not saying he would, but I'm saying he, he would have been a contender. He, I'd be pretty confident that he would have got a top ten. Um, had you know, obviously, if you don't fall apart on the run, but he could he could swim, bike, and run. But Lance Armstrong, before he got into into yeah, he triathlon, he was yeah. was the real deal, big time. Richie Port, big difference between being a very good junior and yeah. being a very good elite athlete. So well, he's only thirty one, so he's still, you know, I'm not sure how much longer he's going to ride for, but he's obviously a pretty good cyclist, so he's got a mm. good career there. So there's no need to change. And as we saw. In the prize money stakes, he's going to be making a hell of a lot more than any triathletes. Yeah, Tour de France guys don't make huge money, do they? Yeah, they do. Massive is it a one percent game or is it? Okay, let's have a look. Oh no, they, they make good money. Not millions. The top guys make millions, but they're in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. Okay. Even if you're average, I think it's you know, it's, it's over a hundred thousand euro if you're. Uh, well, how much do the pro cyclists make? Okay, Tour de France prize money. Uh, the the yellow doesn't, jersey. That doesn't mean anything because that just goes straight to the team. It's more. Oh, does it? Yeah, yeah, no. They, I mean, they get bonuses and stuff, but um, no, you you get your, yeah, you get a contract, get salary, and you may have some performance um, performance related clauses in there, but for most of them, it's um, you know you winning races makes you more valuable, so then you'll sign on for. What's for interesting? Okay, so stage one, you get eight eight thousand euro, which is not bad, is it? No, yeah, it's just goes. Outright winner gets four hundred fifty thousand euro. Mm-hmm. Uh, our winner of the green gets twenty five. Our winner of the polka dot twenty five. But then, it, yeah, there's lots of there's lots of ways you can make money. But yeah, it's not huge. Mm. It's funny when you think about money. I was talking about this recently with someone. You know, if we look at American sport, American sport gets massive money and football. Mm-hmm. You know, huge amount of money. And the one thing I can't understand is why don't cricket players get that kind of money? Because when we look at the numbers, get good money. They no, but they don't get American sport money. No, no. You know, like a cricket player. You know, like a, a you know, Kane Williams. He probably make a couple mil a year, wouldn't he? Mm, mm. Maybe you know, two or three mil. Well, cricket's as big as basketball, mm. or at least as big as gridiron. Mm. Cricket's massive, especially mm. with the Indians and yeah. stuff like that. And you kind of think, why aren't those guys making ten, fifteen million a year? The Indians probably are. Yeah, it's pretty fascinating, isn't it? Mm. Um, John, I just think a quick question. I need to wrap it up. Yep. Okay, I'll do this one next week. Yep. Robert Bailey and I'll ask you a question next week because John's got to study. Yep. Patrons. Uh, Ross, give a little. Give a lot little. Give, a, give a lot little. Yeah, give, give, a, give a lot. You've little. got give a gill. Give yeah. a gill. Give a gill a little. Um, Vincent, oh, the member. How do you spell this one? Fan. Uh, Francois. Okay. Wow, I would never have got that. Yeah. Uh, the member. I'm not quite sure what we're called the member, but that's, that's a good name. Uh, Jonathan the Squeeze Huddleston. John Mincy Munzer. Picture of put a picture of him on the um, Facebook page this week wearing a I am talk gear. Oh, is that him? Yeah, yeah. that's a great one. And, and then and James Dirty Dog Spencer. Okay, so John uh, sponsors Athlinks.com Social Network for Endurance Athletes Extreme Endurance Your Lactic Buffer And our patrons And you know who you are You rock And you are amazing John Go to the and talk to me if you want to be a patron. John, what's your cost? Uh, we had the first round of the JD Duathlon this weekend, last weekend, which was great. Oh, I saw the photos on Facebook. Pretty, pretty fresh out there. Was, it, was it icy? Uh, was it was not icy. No, you were lucky. It was pretty fresh. It was pretty cold. It was pretty Was cold. that Sunday morning? Yes. Beautiful day, though. Beautiful sunny. Yeah. But if you're in the shade, it was pretty fresh. Uh, we have some addiction issues in our household. Uh, <laughs> Thomas, is uh, he gets addicted to things pretty quick, and he's been... Asking me to get him a uh, get him a wind trainer for ages. Get him but, a wind trainer. Yeah, because I'm on the bike, you know, That's quite a bit in the garage, and uh, and so finally when got uh, acquired one. Do you, uh, get, like, do you get a smaller one for kids? No, you get these ones where they kind of just drop back down, and so the, you can have any size bike okay. in there. And um, 
so I got that for him the other day and then on Sunday he wanted to get on it and he spent about an hour and a half on it on Sunday oh, watching really? Tour de France and, uh, and you watching football and then we had to had to tell him to get off there and then same thing last night I put on Tour de France and he was on there for an hour and a half again uh, it was pretty impressive pretty cool that he's motivated but especially for cycling because yeah. come on like, cycling is a pretty boring sport in comparison yeah. to what kids can be doing he's sitting there and he's yelling at the computer go for him go for him and, uh, Does he know the result? Yeah, 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 yeah. And so yesterday he was riding along, and he was—I I ended up putting a live stage one full coverage on there, and he's watching it. I've got to get to the hundred k mark, Dad. I've got to get to the hundred k mark, and so it's pretty entertaining. When did you start in cycle racing? Um, I don't know. Do you have a, does he have a road bike? No, I won't get a road bike. Not yet. Better off getting a mountain bike. So parents, parent advice is. Kids want to get road bikes, just get them a mountain bike and get them mountain biking. It'd be 10 times better than going to road biking. Proves their skills, balance, and um, and probably a bit more enjoyable as well. And less, well, no, still high risk of crashing, but at least it's a soft landing. Pretty cool, right? It's good to see he's found that thing. You know, yeah. like if you're going to get addicted to anything, it's better than drugs, John. Exactly. You know, hugs, not drugs, or cycle, not drugs. Yeah. You have a goss? Uh, no other goss at this stage. Well, John, no. I do have a little bit of quick gossip okay, because I know you want to wrap it up. But yeah. um, so you you rejected me for the casino. Yeah, you rejected me. I thought I've got a great so idea. So you dropped me off, and then you went back and by yourself. No, I didn't. But then the next night, Joe and I, all our friends were doing something, so we thought well, we wanted to watch rugby. So we went out for dinner. We had a big day. We worked set days, and we were like, you know what? Let's go out for dinner. Crazy. And go watch rugby at the Kaza. Mm. So we went out for dinner across the road from the Kaza, an Asian place. It was pretty good. Calendar girls. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> lots of Asians back it up. Um, and uh, I've never been to Calendar Girls. Have you ever been to Calendar Girls? Yes, I have. What's it like? Yeah, it's a better than a crappy strip joint, but it's. I, I had a girl. I had a girl who I flirted with, and she worked there. But she was working. She was this girl who did all this amazing rope stuff. Mm-hmm. So she wasn't a stripper. She did all this rope stuff, and uh, she told me some stories. It's a pretty fascinating story, as I tell you. But anyway, so we went went to Calendar Girls for dinner, and then um, you know, we went to the Asian place, and then went across to watch the rugby. And luckily, because it wasn't a Canterbury game, it wasn't that busy, mm-hmm. so we got a good seat, and we saw a couple of people we knew, so it worked out. Wellington won. Mm-hmm. Go the Hurricanes! Hurricanes! <laughs> Hurricanes, that's the worst song of all time. Mm. Okay, and then we're leaving and Joe goes, do you want to have a bit of a gamble? Mm. <laughs> yeah, babe. Now, we never lose at the Christchurch Casino. Mm. In Vegas, we threw our money down the drain, but in the yeah. Christchurch Casino, we never lose. And we put, we, we got it 20 bucks because we're big spinners. Crazy. That's <laughs> how we roll. That's how we roll. And so we went in and we just did $10 on pokey each. Joe pretty much lost her $10 straight away. Go on, Pokey. He's got to go on the tables. Yeah, but I don't know how to gamble on the tables. Right, I'm going to teach you. Yeah, like well, I was hoping on Friday night, John. <laughs> Right. How I excited all day, and you, you rejected me. Right, you've got to make sure we have a gambling night. Okay, right. gambling night. Right, that's my job. Okay, so then, uh, I like two dollars go, one thirty-eight bucks. <laughs> Walked out, job. Right, game. So never makes money off us. Good, so good. There you go. So if you want some gambling tips, I've started writing an ebook on it. How to win at the Christchurch Casino. Dot com. Just be ready. If you don't follow my rules on gambling night and rote, I get, oh, pre- really? I get pretty angry and people, <laughs> people don't play the odds. What are the rules? We're, you wait till rote. Well, but you need to know the rules before we play. I'll go. I'll do lessons. Okay. And if there is a casino, then we can have night two. We go out and, and win against the house. Do you, you, do, you don't do Netflix, do you? No. Oh, because I watched a really good documentary about the world's best poker player mm. on Netflix. I'm sure that you would love it. I didn't really know much about him, but it was pretty interesting stuff. I'm Russ. I'm Train hard. Train smart. Kick, Kick hard. hard.